so our Lord Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter number eight this morning. Second Corinthians chapter number eight. If you did not get a chance this morning to put in your tithe or offering, you need to put that in. If you'll just slip your hand up real quick, if Brother Blake will come by and um, get that from you. I think we're trying to get the end of this whole thing real quick. Yeah. Any any Anybody at all need to put in an offering? Thank you, Brother Blake. Uh, certainly uh, appreciate having visitors with us in the services uh, this morning. Always kind of an honor uh, that you would uh, come uh, be in the services uh, with us this morning. And certainly our desire to be a help and blessing to you. Thank you. Second Corinthians chapter number eight. Chapter number eight. I want to talk little bit uh, this morning and again tonight, uh, obviously, on uh, the new year, the new year's here. They said <clears throat> on the radio uh, the other day, uh, where, you know, everybody seems so looking forward to 2020 being over with. I mean, get it behind us. Let us, you know, let us forget all about 2020, get it behind us. And then they said 2020's here and what? Probably a lot of the more of the same, and uh, a lot of challenges, obviously, uh, a lot of uh, uh, political, I don't know what you want to call it, mumbo jumbo and nonsense. And uh, if I if I receive one more piece of mail, <laughs> I'll tell you right now, I'm about to go insane, and uh, it is uh, just crazy right now. If you have not already, January 5th, January 5th, you need to vote, okay? Uh, it's very, very, very important. If you haven't, if you watch TV or receive mail or listen to the radio, you know you need to vote, okay? For January 5th, if you've not already done so, uh, make sure that that is on your calendar uh, and make sure uh, that, uh, that you get by to vote. Very, very important. Okay, uh, super important, uh, not only for Georgia, uh, but for the country. So uh, make sure that you, uh, you get by for that. But the new year, the new year's here. We've been looking forward to a new year, looking forward to a new year. And now it's here. Now what? Uh, well, I'm, I'm here to tell you, according to the Bible, according to the Word of God, we need to be doing what we did in 2020 and 2021. You see, I think we're always looking for something new, right? But there's nothing new under the sun. There really isn't. And uh, uh, we just are always looking for that next new thing. Isn't that true in life? I mean, when it comes to technology, we're always looking for the next new, new thing. My, my phone, I hate them stupid things. I just throw it in the river. I can't stand it. But I, I got this phone while the... the Camera, camera. What's well, a pretty good phone? I mean, I it was one of those when they had they had to buy one get one free. And I, I got mine for free. That's the only way I get a new phone if I get it for free of very little money. And so I got this phone. It's pretty new. Camera network. Took it into AT and T. Man, they're about as bright as Walmart. So I got nothing on that. And so I don't have I don't have a camera. Well, you know, we don't have a camera. You don't have the scanner, you don't have, I mean, you don't have video, you can't FaceTime, you know, all sorts of things you can't do without a camera. So what did they say? You know, I went to AT&T, they said, you need a new phone. You need to give me $800, because I'm not buying a new phone for $800. Yeah. But you know, when you buy a phone, you ever understand? They come out with the next one the day after you buy the new one. Just that. Right? I mean, you drive off the car lot and they come out with, you know, some, some more upgrades for your car. I mean, computers. Isn't that amazing? You buy the latest and greatest computer, pay $1,500 for this computer, and the next day they've got, you know, they've got something better. Because there's technology is constantly moving forward and, and constantly changing and constantly uh, uh, getting better. We want new, 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 new all the time. And uh, that's what happens in the new year. We've now reached 2021. Now what? Well, I want to 
want you to know with all the changes in our world and all the changes in technology and all the changes in, in our country, this book has not changed. It remains the same. It remains solid and it remains what we need as a church. It remains what we need as individuals. I want you to know something. It's what we need as a country. You see, one of our problems, and of course we have a plethora of them, but one of our problems in our country is we've gotten away from the Word of God. We've gotten away from spiritual things and holy things. Where things used to be or were once very, very important aren't so important anymore. And uh, one, some things that we used to hold in high esteem, we don't, we don't tend to hold them in high esteem anymore. And, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily hang the blame around the world. I really hang the blame around the church. I hang the blame around Christians who once used to say, hey, wait a minute, this is important, have now said, and here's the new mantra of, of Christianity or religion or whatever you want to call it, too. It is this, religion is private. You do your thing and I'll do my thing. So the things that God used to say are anathema or God says are sin, we no longer call them sin. Matter of fact, we give them flowery names or we say that they are a disorder. Is that true? Let me tell you something. I could give you one example after another, after another, after another. It's absolutely mind-boggling to me because though Christians have evolved and changed, God's word has not. So the things that were important to God last year are still important to God this year. Things that Christians should be doing or should have been doing last year, they still should be doing this year. We don't just stop doing them because things in the world have changed. Matter of fact, some of the things that we're going to talk about, we should be doing more, not less. You see, Christians should not be conformed to this world. Isn't that what Romans 12 says? We're not to be conformed to this world. We're to be transformed. Right? That word transformed is a uh, it's the word we get our word metamorphosis from. It's the idea of, of a caterpillar transforming or, or becoming a butterfly. It's becoming a whole You see, when you were saved, and I hope you're saved this morning, I hope you placed your faith and trust in Christ. If you have not, I want you to know something that God loves you. And Jesus Christ died for you upon the cross and was buried. And the Bible says that he goes again the third day. And in a sense, the Bible says he's at the right hand of the Father in the city. So if you're not saved, Jesus wants to save you this morning. But if you are saved, and you know Christ as your Savior, then this is what the Bible says. He has made us new creatures in Christ. New creatures. Matter of fact, the Bible says in John chapter 3, ye must be born again. You remember when he made that statement? You remember the, the disciple Nicodemus? He was a hidden disciple at the time. But he, he asked Jesus, I don't, I don't understand that. What do you mean, born again? How do you go back into your mother's womb? Obviously, that's not a possibility. And obviously, Jesus wasn't speaking of the physical. He was speaking of the spiritual, being born again. What does that mean? It means to be born anew. You see, therefore, the Bible says, uh, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are what? Passed away. They're gone. They're gone away from you. They're passed away. Behold, all things have become what? Become new. They all become new. I love the end of Revelation where the Bible says when, 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 when Jesus uh, uh, brings in uh, the new heaven and the new earth, it says that, that he will make all things new. What a glorious day that's going to be. 
But until that day comes, that's not here yet, obviously. But until that day comes, the Bible says that you can be there. You as a, a person, you as a believer, we are not like the old man. God has changed us. God has transformed us. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the scripture says that we need to be renewed. We need to be changed. We need to be more like him. You know, the Bible talks about the Christian, for the Christian, that uh, one of God's goals. You know God's got goals for your life? It's called the will of God. Some people use that terminology. Matter of fact, the scripture uses that terminology in the book of Colossians. Talks about the will of God. And so, what is the will of God for your life? The will of God for your life, without me even knowing who you are, if you are a believer, the will of God for your life is for you to be conformed, transformed to the image of His wisdom. That's what God wants you. God wants you to be like Jesus in your decision making, in your speech. In your walk with the Lord, do we ever fail? My goodness. We could all probably make a list, couldn't we? Of where we can do better, where we can do better. You know what we should strive to do, though? We should strive to be like Christ. But I want you to know something. To know something about somebody, you need to read about them. Observe them. Is that true? You know, often we grow up and we, we become our parents. Have you, have you, just some of you, most of us are grown. We say, I see, I see, I see some of the teenagers rolling their eyes now. They say, just because I did it, I did it myself. You say, I'll never be like my dad. I'll never be like my mom. You try your hardest. Guess what? In some ways, I'm not saying you're going to be completely like that, but in some ways, you know why? Because you've observed them growing up. You, you've, you've seen their beliefs. You've experienced their convictions. And so you know them, and that's what you know best. My daughter was getting in a uh, discussion with one of her friends. Political. Which is just always class. It's just so fun. Well, this discussion she was getting with her friend politically, her friend lives in California. Upset, right? I said, sweetie, I said, listen, she said, I don't understand. She said, I can't fathom. Did you read the statement? She gets some straight up. Did you read what she said? I said, hey, you got to understand that. She was raised in that environment. She was raised with her parents that's what in 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 in, in, a, in a state uh, that that believes those things. So I'm not saying nobody in California believes like you do. I'm just saying when you have those many things surrounding you, you tend to believe like you were taught to believe. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We can change. We can change the way we think. We can change. Listen, I'm from upstate New York. I don't vote like they vote in upstate New York. Just let me know. Just, just hear it done. And so things have, I know things can change. But my point is, if you're going to be like somebody, you've got to observe them. Now, I want you to know, Jesus walked this earth, but he didn't walk this earth when you walked. So you didn't observe him with your eyeballs. Okay? So how do we observe him? We observe him through his biography. Right? Matter of fact, it's not only a biography, it's an autobiography. It's called the Word of God. How are you going to know what Jesus did and what Jesus said unless you find it from his autobiography? You see, you can guess. You can, have you seen through the years how they've changed history? This, this history, that some things that they're putting in there that just aren't so. That are just not true. There are so many things that they want to do away with. There's an entire system that believes the Holocaust never happened. 
Now, I don't know, maybe here, you may believe that. That's your right to be wrong. My point is there are people who will say, no, 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 that didn't happen. No, no, let's just remove this. And I'm telling you, like a pen knife, they're just cutting things out of history. Right, but we, you just can't change history. No, yes, you can. You can't just buy and get away with it. Oh, yes, you can. We're doing it in the day and age in which we live right now. So what do we need to do? We need to go go to a reliable source. There's a guy that wrote a book about Jesus. I thought, I'm so excited to read Not started reading. You talk about an imbecile. I mean, this guy, nothing he said was so. Nothing he said was according to Matter of fact, if I find one of his books cheap, I buy it and throw it away. He's a heretic. I mean, he's an absolute heretic. Everything he wrote, he doesn't believe in the TV Christ. He doesn't believe in the miracles. He doesn't believe. I mean, there, there's there's more things he doesn't believe in than he doesn't believe when it comes to the Bible. And as a, when I read this thing, I'm thinking to myself, who in the world? Now this is a popular. I said, who in the world believes this garbage? Say something. People want to be told what to believe rather than study what they believe. Because studying takes time. Studying takes effort. And we have every excuse under the sun while we don't read it. But this is what God said. And God said, I want you to be conformed to the image of my son. Here's what my son looks like. How are you going to know what he looks like if you don't open the Bible? So we've got to get back uh, uh, to a, uh, uh, a healthy study of the Word of God. Look at this church in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Paul's writing to a problem church. Matter of fact, this church had so many issues that Paul wrote two books to this church. First and second Corinthians. And so he wrote to this church and, and much of what he wrote to this church was correction. You're doing this wrong. This is how you need to do it. Which obviously is very beneficial uh, for us in our day. But he writes to this problem church about this powerful church in Macedonia. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Marvel, brother, we do you to wit the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep Poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. Listen, read those verses a couple times. In their hardship, in their affliction, in their difficulty, whatever words you want to use, they weren't having a brand no time. But look at the look at the correlation. Look at the two words: affliction, joy. When was the last time you were afflicted? Maybe you were sick. Physically, you were afflicted. And you just, you had the, you had the, well, you can't be sick without having COVID. So you had COVID. And so, you, I mean, you had this, I mean, and you're just sick. You don't generally have a smile on your face, do you? You don't generally have joy in your heart. Usually, you're snapping at people that are trying to help you. Usually, just like, about you, but when I'm sick, I want to be left alone. Just, just close me in the door. Just shoot some soup, you know, through the door every once in a while. Just let me be ill. I, I just, I can't stand being sick. I, I'm not sick often, but when I am, I just do not like it, and I just want to be left. We get grown people. We're sick. Have you ever, you ever, you ever lost some money? Maybe on a bad deal. Or you, you lost it because you, you loaned it to somebody. That way you don't ever, ever, ever loan money to your friend. Unless you don't want them to be your friend. I told my kids, I told my kids since they were little, I said, listen to me, don't ever loan money that you have. Because you might not get it back. And if you don't get it back, you need to be okay with that. <laughs> Money's a funny thing, isn't it? I mean, it's a real funny thing. 
It's a it's a top three marriage killer. Money, money is one of the top three marriage killers. And sincerely, say, look, you say you ever lost some money on something? You don't generally go around going. <laughs> I got three thousand dollars down the drain. I just super excited about. Good, because you don't get happy because you lose money. Let me tell you, in their affliction, they found joy. In their poverty, they gave liberally. What? Do you, do you see what Paul is saying about this church? He's saying, listen, here's some example that you can follow. Tell the church in Corinth. Let me tell you about these Macedonian churches. These Macedonian Christians. It says in verse 3, for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship or the ministry of the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. And unto us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus, uh, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Let me tell you what their secret was. What their secret was that they gave of themselves first. They gave of themselves when things were good. They gave of themselves when they were on the mountaintop, when they had their wealth, when they didn't have affliction or difficulty, when they had money in their pocket. Isn't it nice to have at least some jingle in your pocket from time to time? I like to reach in, even if it's only a stack of dollar bills, I like to reach in and have something in my pocket. Have you ever reached in there and there was nothing? Promise you, there's more times there's nothing in the pocket than there is money. But I want you to know whether they had money in their pocket or no, whether they had their health or sickness, they gave of themselves first. And I want you to understand what Paul's saying. Not only did they give of themselves, but they gave of the, they gave to the ministry as well. How do I know that? Because Paul said not only did they give them themselves, but they gave to us. They were concerned about Paul and Titus and the ministry. They were concerned about others. What a blessing that is to have that mindset. And when you have that mindset, let me tell you what you tend to do. You tend to think of others before you think of yourself. When you're really having a really difficult morning and a difficult uh, uh, time, you, maybe you got some bad news and you think that it's the worst thing ever. Then you have somebody come up and tell you that the 12 year old was shot in a, in a hunting accident. 12 year old. You know, for us, human beings out of sight and out of mind, we don't yes. So we don't often think about things, and, and we don't often think about what other people are going through, but sometimes when somebody tells me something like that, I try to put myself in those shoes. Man. But, dude, my day ain't as bad as I thought it was. My week isn't as bad as I thought My year isn't as bad. You know why? Because we're thinking of others. We're thinking about what other people are doing. When I think about what's going on right now in our country. You know, we live in Rinkin. Almost everybody outside of Rinkin calls it Rinkin. Have you ever noticed that? The phone call or whatever they call it, Rinkin. Let me tell you what Rinkin means. It means the little corner. Little corner of one. Let me tell you where we live. Little corner of the world. In case, in case you didn't know it, you live in a fabulous place. Not so great. You know, you, you can live in Flyover, Diamond, 
wherever you might live. I'm saying this area is different. I don't know if you know that or not. I don't know if you've traveled at all. It's different. I mean, when it comes to the things that people are facing in other places, and I was just thinking on California just a minute ago, man, it's different in California than it is in Georgia. I mean, different. And you don't have to go all the way to California to find the human. Yeah, a couple, couple states. I mean, it, things, things aren't the same everywhere. Some people are facing way worse situations than you. Now, I'm not sitting here belittling the problems that you're going through because I, I may not even know what you're going through. And it may be a big thing. And I want you to know whatever you're going through is a big thing for God. God thinks it's a big thing. I'm thankful for that. Even if I don't or something else doesn't, God does. Because the things that, that you care about, I promise you, God cares about those things. The things that you're going through, God cares about. Now, I'm praise the Lord, but I'm just telling you, you can always find somebody that's got it tough. I, I did. I, I, I just kind of brought it back to my memory just now. Um, so, so I'm going to make mention of it, but I'm going to use it as an illustration. Places overseas, you know, places overseas in different countries, third world countries. I'm telling you, there are places that have no running water. No electricity. No, no uh, nutritional food. It, it, some of these places have such hardship and such difficulties. And they were born there just like you were born here. It's not like they have a choice. They were born in those situations. Brother Glenn and his dog brought to my attention Utilities are um, trying to get thermometers for uh, people in Kenya. And uh, it's got a huge need there. There's a ministry hub that they're able to get it to all the churches uh, in, in, in Kenya. But we were looking into um, getting a letter up and going around and going to our local CBS, Walgreens, and saying, can you get these? Well, I talked about Utilia. We can't ship because it's just it's just not possible uh, to ship it. But get this, you ready? A thermometer for you to provide a thermometer in Kenya. Five dollars. Just five dollars. Have you ever wasted five dollars? Good night. Well, if you drop five dollars, you're too lazy to go pick it up. You just keep walking. Five dollars is nothing. For five dollars. Will provide a thermometer to Kenya. And they're able to buy it over there for that, that cheap money. But where is my point? My point is twofold. You want to give to Kenya, you can $5 to buy a thermometer, okay? In increments of $5. How many ever thermometers? You want to collect those up, and but the chili said that uh, he, the next day you can have that money to get to the electric And so if you want to give, Right thermometer, right Kenya, something like that, uh, and, and get, get, get that five dollars. Okay? Do not give five dollars. Do not give five dollars in the offering because it'll go to the general fund. That's not getting money. Okay. Uh, but my point is my point. My point is they're struggling in Kenya. They're struggling in in in, in, in Africa and in, in in Asia and in all these different places. They're struggling. And boy, we think we, we just think we have it. But boy, in their poverty, they gave, they didn't just give, they gave liberally. Well, I mean, they just gave and heaved. And what do you need? Oh, you need this. And you, can't, you see, I've learned this years ago. I don't know if you've learned this. I hope you have. But I know this you can't outgive God. Now, there's some money that's gone out of my pocket that I wish never did. There's some things that I've purchased in my lifetime where I wish I could return. I mean, no doubt about it. There's some times that we've wasted money. You ever sat down at a nice restaurant? And then, man, so good you get the bill and you think to yourself. Oh. Yeah, you got this big bill at the end and Guess what? With a big bill, it's a big tip, and then it just gets up even farther. You're thinking, 
Do you think to yourself, you you just took a hundred dollar bill and chewed it up in your pocket? You may not think that. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking it's like night. When the world does spend it. Look, every time I've ever given to a church, every time every any time I've ever given to an evangelist or ever given to a ministry or ever given to, I've never said, Well, I wish I had. And I can tell you, every time I've given, almost every time I think to myself, I probably should have given more. I could have done more. Because you know what? We often give not out of our poverty. We often give out of our, out of our abundance. You know, we got $10,000, so we give 100 bucks and pat ourselves. Is that what we often, I mean, this is what we often do. We often say we don't have money. You know what that the little widow woman did? You know, all those people in the synagogue, they gave and they gave and they gave and they gave and they gave. And here comes this one little widow woman. She takes a mite and she drops it in the bucket. Jesus doesn't even acknowledge all those gifts. He acknowledges that, that little widow woman. You want to know why? She gave everything she had. Even though it was just a mite. It, it's not about money. I figured this much out too. Not only can you not outgive God, but God doesn't need your money. God's not saying, oh my goodness, Will Springer is wasting money. What is he doing? Now, jerks, deacons, or somebody should say, but God's not going, oh my, you know why? Because God owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he owns the on the hills to date. Right? So God doesn't need our money. So what is the point of giving? The point of giving is in your pocket, not God's pocket. And so as we give, we we sometimes forget to, uh, that the giving is for us, it's not for God. So so Paul says, here's some things. Okay, we're a choice. So here's some things. We're almost too near about you. So here's what we need. From you as a Christian this year. Right? This is what this is from biblical. This is what a Christian, this is how a Christian ought to act. I don't care if it's 2020, 2021, or 2016. I don't care what year it is, and I don't care what we're going through during that. I'm not belittling it, and I'm not saying it's not a lot that we're going through. I'm just telling you the things of the word of God do not change. We, so we need to continue to do it. And as the days get difficult, we should be doing them more. Not less. You see, in Hebrews 10, 25, the Bible talks about going to church, right? It talks about assembling. Now, when we think of church, we think of this building. Because this is our church building. When we have church, this is where we have church. Everything's built to the church. So when you're talking about now forsaking yourselves together as a man of some means, not necessarily mean building. Our churches don't have buildings. The church isn't this building. The church isn't these pews. The church isn't this pulpit. Well, these things are important to us and sacred to us. This isn't the church. This property isn't the church. You that have trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you're the church. And he said it's to, to not forsake the assembling ourselves together as the manner of some is to watch this. But so much the more as we see the day approaching. What day is he talking about? He's not talking about a new year. He's not talking about a certain holiday. What is he talking about? He's talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we see that day approaching, anybody want to? Venture a guess on a year? Anyway. Don't know. We don't know, do we? And by the way, if a preacher gets up and tells you what year or what day that Jesus is coming, turn off the TV. Turn off the radio. Because he does not know. Listen to me. If the angels in heaven don't know, you don't know. We have no idea when he's coming. But this much, listen, it doesn't take a theology major to figure this out. We know this much. Today is closer than yesterday. 
tomorrow when he goes with you. His coming, this is the theological word or the technical word we use, his coming is imminent. That just simply means it can happen at any moment. When I say it's coming, I, I mean when he comes in the clouds and he calls his church home. And we meet him in the air, and so the Bible says, shall we ever be with him? And when Jesus calls us up, that day is approaching closer and closer and closer. And as we see that a day approaching, we shouldn't be growing weaker as church. More anemic as church. We ought to be growing stronger as church. My wife pray for him. She'll be back next Sunday. Pray for her. She, she's she's always had an iron problem. She's very, very anemic. Well, she, it gets to the point where it gets so low that she has to have a I can't remember if it's an infusion or transfusion, it's infusion uh, of iron. Well, she's there. She's she can't hardly do anything because of because of it, it just wears her. Numbers are all dropped, and so she's right now trying to get an iron transfusion. So you go up to the, the, the cancer center there, and Daisy Lewis Cancer Center, and you sit there for hours, and they put iron. Why? Because she doesn't have what she needs to be healthy. So if you don't have what you need to be healthy, you need to have, and, and pills are like, like a joke or something. And so, so they have to put in you what you are lacking. If you are lacking as a Christian, does this make sense? If you are lacking as a Christian, then you need to put in you what you're lacking. Whatever that problem is, whatever that uh, uh, lack is, so nutritionally, physically, then you need to put that in your body. Whatever you're lacking spiritually, you need to put that in your body so that you can be the Christian. That God means you to be for 2021. That's what God desires from us. Listen to what one writer said. When it comes to being conformed to this world instead of transformed. Christians are accepting the world's wisdom, embracing the world's theology, adopting the world's agenda, and employing the world's methods. And then we're shocked that we have world in church. Why, why would we not have world church? You ever, when you were a kid, you ever walked up, you ever walked up the train tracks? Anybody ever do that? Man, that's we just walked. Matter of fact, we live so far out in the country, we want to go to town, we jumped the train. Jumped the train, got into town, jumped off the train, we wanted to go home, wait for it to come back, jumped the train, came back, we walked. You ever been across a trussle? A trussle is a Basically, a train bridge that goes across the back, or doors, or something. So there's one that goes across the back. Well, let's talk. Let me tell you something. I've been across that truss. Now, this it's a long truss. So it's a little bit of a risk. Because if you start down that truss and a train comes, you don't jump. You jump, you're dead. You stay in the middle of the train track, you get run over, you're dead. You don't have a whole bunch of options. But to run. So we've been caught a couple times about halfway. Well, halfway, you're, you're halfway. No matter which way you go, you're halfway. Or you turn around and go halfway. Well, if you've ever been across a trussel, there are spaces about that far that you can put your foot in and your leg goes right down and, and you're really So things start shaking. You know what I'm saying? Start shaking. You start hearing a whistle. Listen, your first thing is insane. No, nah, you tell your buddy. No, no, don't worry about it. That's it's, a, it's an earthquake with a whistle. No, listen, if it sounds like a train, it feels like a train, run. And that's what we did. I mean, we, we came close a couple times. Lord, I'm saying, Lord protected me when I was unsafe as much as I could be there when I was safe. And we, I mean, we would take off. Why? Because we didn't want to get run over. And here comes a train, and we know it sounds like a train, and it looks like a train. Let me tell you something. If it sounds like the world, and it looks like the world, then it's probably of the world. And Christians ought not be of the world. Christians ought to be more like God. 
Let's ponder just one thing real quick this morning in, in verse number four, chapter number eight, 2 Corinthians, verse number four. Training us with much entreaty that we will receive the gift. Yeah. I want you to know something. We will never be what God needs us to be as a Christian, as a church, as a family, as a nation, apart from prayer. Listen to me. Prayer is boring. Prayer is a necessity in the Christian life. I mentioned just a little bit ago that uh, that finances, money, is one of the top three marriage killers. Let me tell you what the top marriage killer is. Communication. Communication. Or the lack there. Communication. Why? Because communication is important to any relationship. If you're going to have a successful relationship, then you have to talk and you have to listen because communication is more than using your words. It's also using your ears, communicating back and forth. You see, God has communicated with us. He's communicated with us through his word. He's communicated uh, with us through the spirit. He's communicated with us through saints, through people that God has put in our lives. God has consistently and is consistently Communicating with us. Now listen, what is our communication with God? Prayer. It's prayer. How important is prayer for a Christian or a Christian's life? A praying Christian is a powerful Christian. A praying Christian is a powerful Christian. Why do I say that? Because Paul tells these church of Corinth about these Macedonian churches. He says, I, I, I testify to you about their power. And then what does he say? And beyond their power. Beyond their power. So, so what is he talking about? Obviously he's talking about God. He's talking about what God has done in their churches. The need for prayer in, 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 in our world today is alarming. John Wesley said this, I'm too busy to, to be too busy for prayer. You get that? I'm too busy to be too busy for prayer. If you've got too many things going on and you don't have time for prayer, then you're too busy about those other things. We need to take time to pray. George Mueller said this when he came to prayer. He said, I don't have enough time for prayer, so I'm going to have to wake up an hour early today. Now, let me tell you something. What that ended up being for George Mueller was four o'clock in the morning. And he spent quality time in prayer before his day started. And he had to get up. He needed to pray. He, he got up, got up, and go, well, wait a minute. I've got to have, I've got to have so many hours of sleep. I get it. And prioritize it. What are you doing that's not so important? I'll bet you there's something that you, in your life right now that's not as important as prayer. You might have to turn that TV show. I don't understand. I've been watching the series. I don't know what Raphael's going to do next. I said that to one of But I got to have that next show. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something wonderful about today. There's these things that record shows that you can watch. That's how I love watching football. I watch it. I don't watch it anymore. But if I watch it, I can I can watch a four-hour football game in like 35 minutes. Child, it's usually football. I don't care. Touch it. You got this recording. You can watch it later. Why? Because prayer is more important than TV. It's more important than the novel that you're reading. It's more important than whatever it is. We've got to make prayer. A priority in our lives. That men ought to pray and not think, the scripture says. There is need. And there's a massive need for prayer. Because of the loss, because of the sick, because of the battle, all the things that we're facing. If you're taking notes of 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 4, there's a need because of, uh, 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 because of the loss. Those that don't know Christ as their Savior, are you praying for them? There's a need because of the sick, James chapter 5. 
In verse number 15, we ought to be praying for the sick. God's people are, let me tell you something, the government's not praying for you. So that's not happening. So who's going to pray for us? We're going to pray for each other. You know, the Bible commands us to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's your responsibility, not just the preachers. As a Christian, we ought to be praying for one another. We ought to be, we ought to be caring for one another. We ought to be a, a shoulder and an ear for one another. And then because of the battle, we ought to pray because of the battle. We think of the battle in Ephesians chapter 6. We think about the battle, right? We think about the arm, the whole armor of God, right? The, the helmet and the breastplate and the, the feet shod and the preparation of the gospel of peace. And then we stop. Let me take something about verse 18. Ephesians chapter 6. In verse 18, 18 is just as much as part uh, of the armor as the other verses. What does it talk about? It talks about prayer. That's about prayer. We say what prayer is simply, you ready? We always talk about this, right? Prayer is communication with God. I like this definition. Prayer is giving God more. I need God involved in my life. I mean, decision making that I make, I need God involved. In the direction that I go with my life, I need God involved. In the preaching that I do, I need God involved. You realize in, in parenting, we need God involved. In, in our job, in our workplace, in everything that we do, here's the danger. The danger is when we think we don't need God. I get it. Preacher, I need God involved in this part. I got this. The danger. That's, that's the danger zone. You think you don't need God in everything. By the way, if you're not doing anything for God, you probably don't think you need God. Because when you do something for God, let me tell you something, you realize you need God. I've given this illustration before I, when I was in Bible college. Not, not so much me, because I was I was our architect. So I was I was I never but I walk, I look around, and I tell you, nobody knows more than college students, especially Bible college students. They sit around the, the table and they talk about things that they have no idea. I remember walking up on a discussion, a heated discussion. I thought it was going to go to blows about dual inspiration. I walked up on another couch. In four years, I was in college. Oh, I don't know, guys. The peckability or the instability of Jesus. Yeah, first one. No, the college students, I mean, they're solving all the theological problems. Now, now, now mind you, you know, the Karl Barts and the, and the John MacArthur's and all these theologians haven't got it figured out. But I promise you, a college student I mean, they got it. I mean, they're, they're ready to write a book. I mean, they're ready to start doing video. And then you graduate and go into ministry. And you think to yourself, anything. And the longer I'm a Christian, I don't know if you know if you feel this, the longer I'm a Christian, the more I realize there's a lot more. Now, I'm glad I've grown. Aren't you glad? I hope you have. Aren't you glad you've grown in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus? Aren't you glad that you've learned things along the way? Aren't you glad that you're not as dumb as you used to be? Oh, I hope you've grown up spiritually. Well, surely, too. I hope you've grown up in faith. And as we grow up in the faith, praise the Lord. But I'm going to tell you something. Every step I take, it, it seems like the step just gets three more spaces away. You know why? Because you'll never, in this life, you'll never attain perfect knowledge. You want to know why? Because you have your finite. You're limited on what you know. There's several things. Let me tell you, there's several things. One thing, there's some things you just don't understand, and there's some things God says none of your business. You're not God. And by the way, God doesn't need your permission nor mine to do whatever he wants to do. You ever heard these people, well, uh, 
God, God can't. See, you can't say what God can and can't do unless you're talking biblically. Because God can do what he wants to do because he's God. And you're not. And I say this all the time, too. Praise God, you're not. And I promise you, you better praise God, I'm not. Some of us have zero grace. Zero. Black and white. This is, it. this is what you're supposed to do. You don't do it. Yeah. Listen, the way most of us would be. I mean, somebody made one bad decision, boom, lightning, you're dead. You know, this whole idea, I'm not going to come to church because the ceiling will fall in. It's a bunch of nonsense, by the way. God, God doesn't do that. You know, we were. We collapse the whole church just to kill one person. No, we wouldn't go. I read a quote. I love this quote. Be careful of people. Because some people will sink your whole ship just because they can't do it. I mean, they'll sink the whole ship just because they can't be in charge. And so, praise God, we're not God. Praise God, God is long-suffering and merciful. Praise God, he has got unlimited amount of grace. That he blesses with us, blesses us with day by day. So when we face these struggles, problems, circumstances, whatever we're going through, just how in the world do you forget to pray anyways? Get God involved in the situation. Get God involved in the circumstance, and watch God do exceeding abundantly of all things. Let's pray. Just God, this morning your eyes are open. Maybe you're here this morning. You've never placed your faith. In your trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're listening this morning by live streaming. There's never been a time in your life where you've accepted Christ into your heart for the forgiveness of your sins. Can I tell you that Jesus loves you and he loves you so much? He loves you and he loves you sacrificially. He loves you even when you didn't love him. If you're not saved this morning, can I beseech you this morning to place your faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ? There's nothing that needs to be done. Jesus finished it. He paid your sin debt in full. In full. Place your faith and trust in him. It'll be the greatest decision that you make. Say, preacher, I'm not sure I'm saved. I'm not sure if I'd die right now. I'd go to heaven and be with God. I'm concerned about that. Would you pray for me? This morning.